apologise. It's fine, thank you. Good morning. I can pass. Pass. <laughs> morning, church. Good morning. Morning to those who watch later online and to any visitors here this morning. But thank you, it's good to see you. Awesome worship. It's awesome because it was all about him. It's always powerful when we are just exalting the king. Spirit that she carries. I absolutely love it. Kim asked me for a, a title for my, uh, for my word this morning and I got one. I never think about titles, it's just the last thing I think about. Um, but the word came actually this morning and it's not really a preaching. You know, I said this to the leaders meeting. I love it because Rob is a pastor teacher. I'm not a pastor teacher, I'm an evangelist, an equipper, an ascending. So the two of us together are like, and he's like, and I'm like, but together, when we've got the pastors and we've got the apostles together, then the body is built up. We become not lopsided, but we become equal, yes? So, so I am burning this morning as, as an evangelist gifted. And, um, and so it's not a sermon, it's more of a shaking. It's a shaking, okay, this morning. And the title came for this morning, which was, I live in a little flat now on the main road. Lovely little dog giving flat on the main road. Um, but it is a busy road, especially with ambulances and, and so many walk down that road. But it has a habit when I open my windows, dust comes in very quickly. And I like dusting, I like to clean dust a little flat, even if it's just three rooms, I like to dust. But as soon as I've dusted, the dust comes back in again. And I was muttering about it the other day, I was like, mm, I've just done it, and now it's back on again. And it was a quote from um, Jared Cooper, well known Jared Cooper, who said this, We are made of dust. And dust has a habit of settling. And that came to me as I was muttering about this. We are made of dust. And dust has a habit of settling. Uh, and that's where everything today really came from. And I'm like, it's true, God. We can settle so easy. We can come on a Sunday morning, you know. We settled into what we're going to get. You know, we can settle if all we get is teaching that just feeds me, me, me. I think we can settle in that. Forget that actually we've also got a responsibility to go. So this morning really is, is blowing the dust off, okay? And even as we were worshiping this morning, I just I was just reminded of how so often you know, God says, doesn't He? Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Yeah. We're to offer all that we are as living sacrifices, and we can so easily crawl off that altar. And sometimes God says, Get back on. Offer all that you are to me as that living sacrifice. We just got reminded of that in worship this morning. And I'm sharing a little bit this morning. Who's my, where's my school of evangelism people? Anybody here this morning? And we've been, I'm sharing a little bit. They have heard some of this before. We're having a great time in the school of evangelism. We're having a great time. I love it. Doesn't matter how many times I go in the Word of God and I read scriptures and we can look at scriptures we have heard hundreds of times. But when we're, when we're together and we're declaring it again, it just that fire gets you again. It's like you're reading it for the first time. We never get bored to be with the Word of God. If we do, then go back to God and ask Him to set that fire blazing for it again because it is powerful. It is a powerful Word. Amen. So I love doing the school of evangelism. And I felt the Lord prompt me this morning to just kind of stir the pot and, and blow the dust off uh, for the need to us not to become settled in the area of sharing the gospel. The good news of salvation through faith, grace and faith, amen. And the gospel of the glorious kingdom that you and I are part of. And I got confirmation of why he wanted me to go down this road on Wednesday. I was like, oh God, really? You want me to do like an evangelistic thing? He's like, yep, I'm wrong. Okay, okay. 
And then I got confirmation on the Wednesday, which I'll tell you in a little while why he wanted me to do that. So let me ask you a question in the area of Saturday. I did this this week. Who's been, uh, who's been in a week of prayer and fasting? Yes? As a fellowship? Yeah? Have you had a good week? Has God been speaking? Yeah? Ish? Yeah? Just share that with, with, with people what God has been is, is sharing with you this week. You know, we don't pray and fast just to say we're praying and fasting. We're expecting God to do something in us. To shift things in us as we seek Him, as we're in His presence, we set aside those extra time, whatever we've given up, to seek the Lord. Um, and I expect that God will have met with you, those of you that have been praying and fasting this week, amen, uh, for the encounter weekend. So let me ask you a question, and you don't have to answer this because I was shocked. How many Bibles do you own? Do you know, I counted mine and I was actually ashamed. So this morning, is anybody that hasn't, has only got one Bible? Does anybody only own one Bible? Or anybody own no Bibles? Because if you do, I'm like, I've got two. I mean, I'm, I was shocked, I'm not even going to tell you. But I, I've got two brand new Bibles. I've got an NIV and I've got a Great Insight Bible, NIV and NLT. Neither of them have been touched. So if you know someone who needs a Bible, take one, please, and give it to them. Yeah. If not, I'm going to give them away in this kind of way. But, I was shocked, go home and find how many Bibles are sitting on your bookshelf. Let me ask you another question. When did you last share the gospel with somebody? When did you last share the gospel with somebody? This is not to condemn, this is just to shame me, it's me I was asking these questions to. One more. And this is where my word comes from. When did you last weep over the lost? in our community. When did you last weep over the loss in this nation? Or indeed the nations? And I'm not doing this to make us condemned, I'm doing it to shake us. Because we become very settled and we forget what we're here for. Can you put an ocean statement up on the screen? We know as, as elders, we met before the Lord when Rob came to seek the Lord for a vision statement and a mission statement of this fellowship. And we did that through prayer, through God. What is it you, 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 you want to do through this fellowship? What is our unique calling in this fellowship? And we've talked about the vision statement a lot. But this is our mission. This is what we're here to fulfill, to do. Everything that we do sows into this, into the vision and into the mission. To be obedient to the Great Commission through the faithful proclamation of the Gospel and the developing, the equipping and descending of disciples. Before God we have proclaimed that's what this fellowship is about. Amen? So he needs evangelists and those with that, that calling towards that, that evangelistic thing, yes? We are not all going to be pastor teachers. So I want, to, I want to stir up those of you this morning that might have that, that stirring towards evangelism. But also, for all of us, we are all called to at least pray. We should be all praying, actually, before the Lord. We have a saying, we either pray, we pray, or we go. But one way or another, we are all part fulfilling that mission statement of King's Winfrey Christian Fellowship. Amen? Before God, we have declared that. Amen. So there was one verse from Romans chapter 9, if you want to turn to it. Romans chapter 9, verse 1 to 2. And this verse just hit me in the belly. Romans chapter 9. 
Paul speaking. Romans chapter 9, 1 to 5 says this. I tell the truth. Paul said, I'm telling the truth here. I am not lying. And my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. Verse 2. That I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. And these were, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren. And I'm like, God, I don't think I've ever even seen that. Not in that light. Let me read that again. I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also, bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separate from Christ, for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, and the giving of the law, the service of God and the promises, of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen? And I read that, and I'm like, God, when did I, when did I last get to that point of being overwhelmed with grief for the people that live next door to me, for the people I meet in my work, in the cafe, for the people of, of King's Winford, or indeed the nation of the nations? And we've got to be honest before God, haven't we? And I'm like, I don't think I have done for a long, long time because I've suffered. And I remembered, and God reminded me, when I first um, got that fire in my belly to share Jesus with others. And, and in my church, my former church, when I was, I was actually a worship leader, believe it or not, and, and I couldn't sing about the gospel. I couldn't sing a song about Jesus without launching into going into a gospel message. And in the end, they, they didn't know what to do with me and set me up here. Because I wasn't very good as the worship leader, because I just kind of preached the gospel. So they sent me up here, and, and I, got, I got trained in, in, in the garage and, and Stefan, and, and, and I, I got trained in preaching the gospel and sharing Jesus. And I can remember when I had the office upstairs, where Rob is now, and I would sit on the floor with my knees up to my chest, aching for God to send me somewhere where people hadn't heard about Jesus. I would physically ache. And I would say to Gary, you know, what's in it with me? What's the next bit? Because I was just aching to share Jesus. Because the power of the gospel and of salvation. And I could not keep it to myself. But I haven't done that for a while. But God reminded me of it. And one quote stuck in my head. And I shared this with the school. What right have we to hear the gospel twice? when there are people that have never heard it once. And I'm like, God, I set unto the gospel week after week after week after week after week. And a quote that I've written in all my Bibles by C.T. Stone, only one life, it will soon be cast, and only what's done, for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, how happy I'll be if the light of my life has been burnt out for thee. I, I was, I felt numb when I came here. I'm 62 now. And I'm like, God, my life is going so quickly. I want that light of my life to burn out for you, for what will last for eternity. I don't want to settle, being worried about ornaments or pictures or wardrobes or anything else. 
I want to be worried and concerned about those people that have not heard the gospel. Hallelujah. If I ask you how many people in the world still have not heard the gospel, have not heard Jesus, the word of Jesus, how many do you think? Turn to your neighbor and have a guess. Have a think. How many people have never heard the word of Jesus, the word of Jesus? I looked up and you can look up um, a project called the Joshua Project on Net. Their whole concern is reaching unreached people groups. And there are in our in the world um, so I said I said this to people and people are like but everybody has got TV now. Everybody has the internet. Everyone's on the phone, so, so everybody can hear. Well, everybody hasn't got the TV. You go to an Amazon rainforest, they don't have televisions. They don't have internet and they don't have mobile phones. There are still people who do not have those things. We in the West think everybody's got it, they haven't. And there are still 7,400 totally unreached people groups now those groups consist of many people, so it is brilliant. But 7,400 totally unreached people groups who have never heard the word of Jesus. That should shock us, shock me. Because I'm, at least I should have a responsibility then to pray. God, get somebody in there. Let somebody go. Or if I'm rich, let me pay for someone to be equipped in that community to preach the gospel. Amen? In our day and age, there's that many people groups, and you can look at all the statistics on joshuaproject.net. Jesus said, in Matthew 28, 18-20, you know it well. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, church, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I said to the group on Friday night, they all came back from away from Europe and talked about these, these thousands of young people that, that responded to the gospel. And hallelujah, amen? But that's only the first step. I'm like, now you need to be on your faces praying that every one of those people gets covered up by a Holy Spirit-filled church that can disciple them and teach them. Because so many will fall away if we don't then pray. But as John says, you know, we've got to keep the next, the hole in the next close. It's not about just the running forward, it's about discipleship. So we need to be praying for the church, wherever the, the, the you know, awakening Europe goes, for the, for the church to be equipped with those people that can disciple them. And that's for all of us, otherwise it just becomes a jolly holiday and we all look at that and isn't that great, all these people. We want to go back in two years' time and say, look at all these thousands that have been disciples and now sharing Jesus with other people. Mark 16, 15 to 18. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. It's not complicated, is it? 
And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. The kingdom will be demonstrated. Amen. We proclaim the gospel and we preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So if we want to usher in Jesus' return, we need to be praying or going and proclaiming the gospel to our neighbours, to the unreached people groups. Amen? Amen. One day there will be every tribe and nation and tongue before the throne of God. Every nation, tribe and tongue. And when we hear the word of Jesus use the word nations, then the Greek that nation is ethno, ethno, or ethos, is ethos, which is where we get the word ethnic from. So in the Greek, it'll read every, not every nation, but every people group, every ethnic people group, because the nations didn't exist when Jesus, yeah? So he's talking about those people groups, every people group will be for the throne of God one day, with you and I, amen? And we have done our part. So the Great Commission is for every one of us to take seriously. It's not just for the evangelists, it's for all of us. All of us, that commission was given to. Amen? Amen. So whilst there are still people on the earth who have not even heard of Jesus, we all have the work to do. We have work in the prayer closet to do. We have work in releasing kingdom finance for those who will go. I read again on the Joshua Project, and this is in America, but there is, is only one P in every hundred pound, less than a penny or less than a cent, goes towards reaching unreached people group. Only one, less than a penny. And I, I challenged our leadership this week and said, are we giving to enable the gospel to reach? Because we need to be. We should be sowing into, you know, people to go and reach those people groups. Um, really challenged me this week. We agree as a body, we declare it often that we believe in heaven and we believe in hell. Whatever you think that looks like is eternally separated from God, yes? And we cannot just sit here and wait for the rapture. While we know those people yet to be given that message so at least they have a choice to say thank you, I'm very happy where I am. Or yes, I want to respond. We cannot just sit and wait and be happy that my names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. When there are wait people waiting to hear the gospel for the very first time. And there's another danger. And this is what the God pointed out to me. I didn't realise this. But we can be very good at preaching the gospel. But not good at sharing Jesus. Yeah. I did a lot of missions. And I can preach on a stage. I can give a great gospel message and preach the gospel. And see people respond. And you come almost good at that. It's a bit like preaching and you can become good at preaching. But Jesus said, you know, but I'm good at sharing Jesus. That's why I'm so grateful for what I'm doing now, because I get just to share Jesus over coffee or cake. Because we can get professional at it and forget what it's about. When I see street evangelists who know the pattern, I'm like, but are you seeing people? Are you, are you seeing people as individuals that, that are lost? That Jesus loves so much. Because it kind of breaks up your, your, your learned pattern. We do it because we love people. 
Because Jesus died for every single person. And you know that God has a purpose and a plan and a love for every single person. Your neighbor, your family, in our community. Yeah. I'm grateful for God for highlighting that in my life. One of my favorite passages of scripture when I'm, um, I'm away on mission to preach the gospel from is in 2 Samuel 9, the story of David and Mephibosheth. And I took, I use that a lot when I'm in, in you know, the, the back of Pakistan or in tribes up in Africa who've done it. Because I'm like, oh, these people are living where there's, there's, there's no pasture, there's, it's, it, they've, they've nothing, they've got so little God, not like us. And, and you can get a beautiful gospel message out of that passage. But God spoke to me this week, and I was doing this, and he said, you know, look at, look at your nation. Look how God has shaken this nation. Your government, people have lost faith in. Their bank balance they can't put faith in. Their jobs they can't put faith in. They're looking at bills now that they can't pay. England has become such a different place. It's no longer, oh, it's all great in England, it's safe and secure and we need to. We look around as people are hopeless, they are frightened, they are in fear because they can trust nothing in this nation anymore. Amen? It's shaking ground. Everything is shaking ground and God is not finished with the shaking. But he's setting it up for a harvest. Amen. He is setting up our nation for a harvest. Amen. And I just share with you this, this story in, in, um, in, in 2 Samuel 9. Well, we know that David, who, who um, saw this vision, and David struck up this, this friendship with Jonathan. And, and when, when Saul died and Jonathan died, David had made this covenant with Jonathan as his friend to be to be your friends forever. But, but that he would look after his family if Jonathan died. Amen. And you know that Saul dies, and Jonathan dies, and David is king, yes? And when David was king, he remembered his covenant with, with Jonathan to show kindness to his family. And David promised Jonathan that he would show loving kindness to his family forever. David vowed to Saul that he would not kill any of the children that came after him. You read that in 1 Samuel. And now that Saul and Jonathan were dead, and David was now king, it would have been very easy for David just to forget that. Just to forget that covenant. And get on with being king. But David did not forget. He did not forget his covenant that he made with Jonathan. He didn't only remember it and fulfill it, but he went way beyond that covenant that he'd made. And we read how David sent Ziba, his servant, to seek help with Abishai. To show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. And Mephibosheth was, was, was dropped as a child and he was laying at his feet, it says, and he was living in a land, a place, his name had been shameful, but he was living in a land called Lodabar. And Lodabar means no pasture or no good thing. And it used to break my heart that there were people in the nations that were living in a place where there was no good thing, where there was no green pasture. But God said, Jude, there are people in this nation now living in Lodabar. Well, it's just like there's no good thing. There's no pasture. It's hard and, and it's uncertain and everything is shaking. That might be your neighbour. That might be people just out on the streets here. We don't have to go to the nations to find them. They're here. Listen to people. Talk with people. Stand in a queue and very soon someone's talking about the price of milk or how on earth are they going to pay electricity bills that they're getting for a couple of thousands of pounds? 
I'm like, I don't know what I'd do if I got rid of you know. People are afraid. And I don't know what to do or where to turn. Mephibosheth had done nothing. He hadn't done anything to earn the kindness and the blessings of David. He had done nothing to deserve it. He wasn't a great warrior. He hadn't been to war. And Mephibosheth must have been terrified to be summoned by King David. Because the king's job was to wipe out, really, when Saul had died, to wipe out all that family land. Mephibosheth could have come, I think, very terrified before David. But his fever went and brought him. He didn't earn the king's favour. David did not richly bless Mephibosheth because of what he had done. Does that remind you of anything that we sing about and talk about? The grace of God? We're saved by grace through faith. Not by works that we can boast. It's all the grace of God. It's a beautiful picture, this, of just the kindness of God, the grace of God. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not what we could enough, not what we come to church and do. No, by the grace of God, because of his son Jesus. Amen. And grace is extending special favour to someone who doesn't deserve it. Who's known the favour of the king? Come on, all of us, all of us have known the favour of King Jesus, amen? And it's extraordinary, and it's above and beyond anything that we could imagine. He hasn't earned it, and he can't repay it, and we can't repay either, other than his my life, God. Take it, amen? Grace is a demonstration of love undeserved, unearned, and unrepayable. Isn't it beautiful? And David offered to take all the blessings and honour and acceptance earned by Jonathan and pour them out on the Mephibosheth. And that's what God does because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus did at the cross. Because of how much Jesus loved us and was willing to go. We walk in love and blessings and promises and faith. Amen. Amen. The gospel is so good and it is too good for us to keep to ourselves, people. And I think there's people in this, in our neighbourhoods, that are crippled just like the Fibbershed was, with guilt, fear, shame, all those things, because they're living in that place of no good thing, because everything they put their hope in seems to be going. And there are many whose hearts are still sick because of sin, and it weighs you down, doesn't it? It weighs you down. But it's heavy because they haven't heard about the grace of God. The grace and the goodness of God. And that Jesus carried and took on himself all the sin of the world. So that we could have that road and take us off us. And walk with our heads high and breathe again. God loves us. But he provided a way, didn't he? I love that when, when David takes Mephibosheth in and Mephibosheth comes to him and, and what Mephibosheth does is he drops to his knees before David and he says, but what, who am I? What is it that, that such a dead dog as I should be shown favour? And don't we bow before God? And we should bow before God and say, who am I? Who am I? And God says, for now, and I see Jesus. And you were worth Jesus dying before. And now we have that beautiful gospel that you know, we turn and repent from that way of life, the shame, the guilt, the sin. We turn and we believe that Jesus died for us, went to the cross for us because he loves us enough to show up our sin. 
and we get free from all the, the, the sin, the guilt of sin, because he paid for it all. And then we have the wonder that God gives a new heart, he puts his spirit in us, and God makes his home inside of us, amen? And you become vessels of the glory of God, become carriers of the kingdom of God. Why? So that we can release and go and tell other people of the goodness of God. God sent his perfect son to live upon sinful men, among sinful men. And we know that he lived the perfect life. He was sentenced to die for imperfect people. He died in our place, paying a price for our sin that we could never pay. Never pay. Amen. And we know that he rose from the dead. And he conquered that power of sin and death. Hallelujah. So that everyone could have an opportunity to receive forgiveness. Amen. So we recognize, just like the Fibbershaft kid, that we don't deserve anything. We don't have to do anything but accept the blessing of God. We have a choice to accept or to reject. When we accept what Jesus did for us all those years ago when I accepted Jesus, we received the blessings of peace and oh my goodness how peace is needed in people's lives in this day, yeah? But John overheard this morning and righteousness, and the righteousness of God in Christ. We become the righteousness of God in Christ and eternal life. What a blessing we have, people. What treasure we have within people. And today I just want to remind you of the glory of what Jesus did for you when you and I didn't deserve it. And how good and how incredible and how unbelievable yet true that felt. And some people are waiting to hear that gospel. They are waiting for someone to tell them the good news. Becoming disciples of the king, Mephibosheth who sit at the king's table. We get to sit at the king's table. We get to walk in intimacy with the king. Amen? To abide with him. Remain with him. Learn from him. His presence every day. We sit at the table of the king. What a privilege we have. A privilege and a responsibility to share the good news with those who have not yet heard it once. And give them an opportunity to respond to the incredible kindness of our King. It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. Not telling them they're going to burn in hell, but telling them, let me tell you of the goodness of God in sending Jesus. Let me tell you of the kindness of God in my life. Let me tell you what the blessings of God look like. Let me tell you how good it is when you turn from that life and you turn to follow Jesus and <coughs> you. See, it's good news. It is good news. Amen? Our mission statement is to be obedient to the Great Commission through the faithful proclamation of the Gospel and the developing, equipping, and sending of disciples, and we all have a place, you and I, in fulfilling that. It may be over a cup of coffee, it may be inviting neighbors round for a meal. However it looks like, we have a responsibility to share that incredible joy that we have of walking with Jesus and being known as disciples of the King. Amen? Amen? I'm gonna ask this morning, I think it's great that um, we have our worship team to, to lead us out. Um, because the shakes is out of, oh, I know what's coming next, the worship we're going to get, we're going to sing songs. 
but I actually want um, to put a song up if you can. And I love this, this the words of this um, track. And I want you just to, before God, you can get on your knees, find a space, or just sit and listen. But the words of this song hit me years ago. Um, it's called To Walk As Jesus Walked.
and he's doing some equipping with the youth and then sending them out. But on Wednesday and Thursday, he's doing equipping sessions and then going out to different parts of Birmingham to preach the good news, to share Jesus with the people. He's doing what the Great Commission says on our patch, on our patch on Birmingham. So if you want to be part of that, I'm, I'm blessed. You know, I've got a car, Julia's let me have a car. I'll be taking a car up Wednesday and Thursday. And um, already shared it with the, 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 the team that meet on Friday. There's a couple of them going. If you want to be part of that, you're available Tuesday, Wednesday night, Thursday night, or Wednesday in the daytime. Come and see me because we need to give names of who's going on um, on when I see Sarah on Monday morning. And I'm like, God, it was Sarah. If you let me do this, so that they can say, right, now you can get on with it and do this. Amen. But if you can't be part of that, then there's people all around you. So just be aware this week that maybe God, somebody is just waiting, just waiting for you to share the good news with them. Be blessed. It is a joy. It is a blast to share Jesus with people. And, and my, 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 my aim this morning, God saying, was simply to get us out of the, you know, everything's about me, 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 and this and me. We've got to give as well. And many of you are, and I know that, and it's just to stir us up as a body to make sure we fulfill the mission.